Evening. Tonight we'll be in Colossians again. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1. Tonight we'll be in doing two verses instead of one. The reason being is that these two verses really can't be separated. They're, they're so connected. And they continue the thought that was Paul was, was bringing forth. The name of the message is Alienated Enemies Reconciled. Alienated Enemies Reconciled. We'll be in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. We'll be looking at these two verses tonight. As I said, they tie in together. Last week we looked at verse 20 and it says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And last week we saw that Christ is the great peacemaker. He's the great peacemaker. Sister Kara emailed me the next day after last week's message with a verse that tied right into the message. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, and it says this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it ties into last week's message so well that I looked it up just to see what John Gill had to say about it. And he said, the peacemaker had come to earth. The peacemaker had come to earth. And tonight we're going to see the effects of the work of the great peacemaker. The effects of the work of the great peacemaker, the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at verse 21 first. And you, he's speaking to the Colossians here, the believers in Coloss, and you, speaking to us too who believe. And you, that were sometimes, sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Here before us we have presented the Colossian believers pre-grace. Pre-grace. Here we have presented we who believe what we were pre-grace. What we were. Before we were converted. And this is the state of all men before God, born into this world of a woman, of a man and a woman, dead in trespasses and sins. This is the state of all human beings as a result of the fall of Adam in the garden. We've inherited from our father our sin nature. Our sin nature. And note the Colossians before conversions were, our scripture says, alienated. 
And then it goes on to say, enemies in your mind by wicked works. So they were alienated from God and they were enemies of God in their minds by wicked works. And this is the state of the Colossian Christians, the condition of all though who are born into this world, dead in trespasses and sins, alienated from God, and enemies of God in their minds by wicked works. This was my state when I was born into this world. And this was your state. And this is the state of every baby that's being born right now. Alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. This is the state of man. Paul points this out to the Colossians so that they will have a greater sense of gratitude. A greater sense of gratitude of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for them. And if you're a believer, what he's done for you. What he's done for me. The scripture says here that they were alienated. Who were they alienated from? They were alienated from God, from Christ, from the church. And they had no hope of obtaining salvation by their own works. None. None at all. They sat in darkness, in the darkness of their fallen nature, as we do, as all who are born into this world, void of the grace of God. Void of the grace of God. They did not know God. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. They did not know God, and they had no hope. And remember, Paul shows us this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit for us to be grateful for what the Lord's done for us. And we'll see by the end of the study, I pray that we can walk out of here with grateful hearts, we who are saved. With grateful hearts. Because when it gets to the next verse, it's incredible. It's incredible. So the state of all men who come into this world, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and we know at the first of Ephesians 2, it says we're dead in trespasses and sins. But look at this in Ephesians 2, verse 11 and 12. Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh. That's what every one of us here are. Gentiles in the flesh. Who are called on uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. The Jews called the Gentile people uncircumcision. That at that time ye were without Christ. That's our state when we come into this world. Without Christ. Anyone who says that they've always been a Christian, they don't know Christ. We were without Christ, Scripture says. We came into this world without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in, in the world. 
This was the state of the Colossians before they were saved. And again, it's the state of all of God's people before the Lord saves us. Now, he knows who, who his are. But we are alienated from him by our wicked works in our mind. By our nature. We're in a hopeless state before the Lord saves us. Absolutely hopeless state. And think of this. One who is in this state has absolutely no merit before God for salvation. None. Absolutely none. In themselves. They're in a hopeless state. And all they deserve is hell and the wrath of God. We were at one time, by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. So we see as Scripture declares, there's none good. There's none righteous. Before God, we're all sinners. All of us. Before a holy and righteous God. Alienated from God. Incapable of salvation by our own works. We are helpless, hopeless, bankrupt sinners. And this is the miserable state of man before God saves him. He is alienated. And our text continues. And the enemies in your mind by wicked works. Here is the cause of us being alienated before God. It's our wickedness. God doesn't save good people. Oh, beloved, He saves sinners, though. He saves sinners. And it's our wickedness. And we are wicked by birth, by nature, and by choice. The will is tied to our nature. And when we're born, we have a dead nature. And that rules our will. People talk about free will. Well, they don't really understand that their will is tied to their nature. And if you have a dead nature, you will hate God. But if you have a new nature... If you're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, you're love the Savior. You're loving before anyone else. And you bow your knee to Him. But here is the cause of us being alienated from God. In our natural state, we are enemies, Scripture declares, in our minds by wicked works. Evil by nature, and sinners by choice, alienated from God by our wicked works. Romans says this in eight, chapter 8, verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Enmity. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now folks get mad when you say this stuff, but this is what Scripture tells us. And we are to be truthful to the Scriptures and what they say. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. 
enemies, not only by our outward deeds, but at that time we had no communion with God. No communion with the true God, maybe a false God of our imagination, but no communion with the true God. Paul here speaks of the Colossians is inwardly hating God as an enemy, as an enemy, doing that which was contrary to him in his pleasure and opposing his revealed will and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Look at Romans 1, 29 and 30. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, and disobedience to, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. That was us. That was me. I can find myself many times in that before the Lord saved me. Who know in the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I remember Sister Bonnie telling us about a sermon Henry Mahan preached and, and how the Lord reached down from the dunghill and, and pulled us maggots out of there because that's what we are. And, and she said, Brother Henry said, we were perfectly content eating that maggot food. And we were. We were. Oh, but there's good news. There's good news. Good news. So our minds and our thoughts and our reasoning did not receive or comprehend the things of the Spirit of God before conversion. They were foolishness to us. Scripture declares, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Talk to several brothers in, in, in the church here, and we all look back and say, yeah, we didn't, we didn't care about God. We didn't care about the things of God. We went in our thoughts. And, and I couldn't discern spiritual things before, un, until the Lord saved me. And I don't know much now, but I, I'm learning. I didn't have a clue before about God and who He was. Also, the Colossians' souls and ours also before the Lord saved us were darkened. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. They were darkened. There was such an enmity before God that they could not be subject to God. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Look what it says. It says, in verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. As we go further on, it's sure going to make you thankful if you're saved. <laughs> that God revealed to you and took you out of the darkness into the marvelous light of His Son. Because that was our state. In our hearts we cried, will not have this man rule over us, pre-grace. 
Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And because, because we cried, we're not have this man rule over us, maybe we didn't say that, but we sure, by our actions, screamed it. And because of that, we had no peace with God. None. None. And remember this, we who are saved, never forget the rock you were hewn from. Never forget where we came from. Never forget where the Lord took us out of. It'll give you compassion for others. Because just remember where we were and how we reacted when someone talked to us about Christ. Praise God. Those of us who are saved have obtained mercy. Mercy. From the time we came into this world until the glorious time when God is pleased to reveal His Son to us, we are alienated from God and enemies of God in our minds and filled with wicked works. So our situation before the Lord saves His people. We're helpless, hopeless, but we're not innocent in that state. Like Brother Mahan was saying, we're not innocent in that state though. It's not due to ignorance, but we're willingly in that state. We're content in that state. We're content in being guilty before a holy and righteous God. We don't even know we're in that state. But praise be to God, He did not leave us in that state. He did not leave us in that state. And think of this. Not only was it impossible for us to deliver ourselves from a state of spiritual darkness, but we didn't want to be delivered. We didn't want to be delivered. We loved the darkness that we were in. I know. I know this personally. Do you? But all the mercy of God in Christ how vast it is, how deep it is. And if God had not sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, enlightening our minds, regenerating us, showing us our need for Christ and revealing Christ to us, we would still be without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus. Ye who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So Paul reminds the Colossian believers of the great change, the great change that God has wrought in them. And it's God doing the work. And he reminds them that they have received a great deliverance. A great deliverance. Let's look at the latter part of verse 21 and the first part of verse 22 together. Here we see the great deliverance from the natural state mentioned in verse 21 where we are alienated and enemies of God, 
dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2 1 says. Ephesians 2 says, by the but here we see the great deliverance by the death of the great peacemaker, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Yet now hath he reconciled in the and then it continues in verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Here again, set before us the great peacemaker. Remember, we're enemies, right? We need peace with God. And I'm here to declare to you that the Lord Jesus Christ reconciled His people by His death. He did it all. Everything. We who believe like our Colossian brethren were in a miserable state and we could not save ourselves. But here in our text, the great peacemaker again, the Lord Jesus Christ has reconciled His people back to God. How? By the sacrifice of Himself in their place. He died on Calvary's tree for the sins of His people and God is absolutely satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. Satisfied. The now in our text refers to the coming of Christ into the world. Yet now hath he reconciled, in the latter part of verse 21, refers to the coming of Christ into the world in the time of his death and the offering up of his body once for all. When peace and reconciliation were completely made, there's nothing left. Completely made. At once for all of God's elect. In the latter sense, it refers to the time of conversion of the Colossians when Christ by His Spirit regenerated them and drew them to Christ. The Gospel was preached to the Colossians. Hence again, the the extreme importance of preaching the Gospel. We must preach Christ and Him crucified. Nothing else. Nothing else. Folks say, well, we need some sermons on Christian living. If you hear the gospel preached about Christ, you'll learn how to live. You will. You will. Oh, the gospel was preached to the Colossians, and what happened? They received it by faith, didn't they? They received it by faith. No one's saved without faith, right? But faith is a gift of God. They received it by faith and they trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once again, we see the importance of the preaching of the Gospel. We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Romans 5.10. Turn there if you would. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. This verse not only declares that reconciliation to God was through Christ, 
but it includes another wonderful truth in it. That one commentator said, causes the heart of God's enlightened children to leap for joy. Look what it says here. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Now think of this. I was talking to Brother Norm Wells last night on the phone. We started talking about Christ and how we were spiritually in Christ. All His people. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but the life that I live, I live in the... In, in the he, he, his, he was crucified with Christ is the main point, though. Okay, He was crucified with Christ. Spiritually, we were in Christ, all His people, when He died on the cross. And we were in Him when He lived that perfect life. Think of this. He's the second Adam, right? When Adam fell, we all fell in Him. Right? We lost our head. We lost our federal head. Christ is the second Adam. We're in Him. We're made alive. He's our head. And we're the body. This is our great King. This is our great King. We shall be saved by His life. Saved by His life and by His death. Oh, what a precious truth. Paul has told us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Back to our text in Colossians. He told us last week by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the Lord Jesus Christ has reconciled His people back to God. In verse 21, He applies it to the Colossians in particular. Let's read our text again. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies of your mind by the wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. See, it's applied particular to the Colossians. Christ died on the cross for His people. He came to save His people from their sins. He didn't die for everyone, but He did die for His people. In the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. So it is for we who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We were strangers, enemies in our minds, Workers of iniquity. But, remember in Ephesians, there's all that but God. Oh, praise God, there's that. But the Lord Jesus Christ in the body of His flesh, by His perfect obedience, right, to the law of God and the merit of His shed blood upon Calvary's cross, He has reconciled us to God by His death upon the cross. Lastly, we look at the results of this wonderful Reconciliation. The results. Now here it applies to every believer. Here it is. Remember I said there's good news? <laughs> oh, what a wonderful Savior. To present you, the Colossian believers, all of God's elect. Here we are, years later, reading this book. And this is for every believer in Christ to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. Now remember what we looked at? That 
we were sometime alienated and enemies in our mind by wicked works, right? We were in a helpless state. We couldn't help ourselves to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. This warms my heart. <laughs> First of all, to present you, the believer in Christ, holy. The, re- the Greek word for holy is defined most holy thing, a saint. See, there's a guy who tries to make people saints. He has no power to do that. Only God can make saints. Only God. And every single believer in Christ, his elect, is a saint. A most holy thing in the Greek, a saint. Then our text continues. In unblameable. Now look at this. The Greek word for unblameable is defined without blemish. Now remember what our state is. Without blemish. Unblameable. Our text continues. It gets better. <laughs> and unreprovable. The Greek word for unreprovable is defined that cannot be called into account. Unreprovable. Unaccused. Blameless. So those who were unholy are made holy. Cleansed from all their sin and separated for God's service. Those who are black with sin are made faultless without any blemish. that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Philippians 2.15 And those who were full of guilt, full of blame, are blameless in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. 2 Peter 2 or 3 verses 13 and 14. I ask you, beloved of God, is this not an amazing salvation? Is it not an amazing, wondrous salvation that's in Christ Jesus our Lord? I ask you, sinner friend, is there any other Savior known to man than Jesus Christ our Lord? No. There is no other 
salvation but in Christ Jesus and him alone. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The only way for we who are enemies with God to have peace with God is through Jesus Christ alone. And we must believe in him. We must believe in him. And that faith is a gift. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Only God can do for this sinner and for the sinners he saves. I have no ability. Before I was saved, I had no ability to come to God and I had no desire to come to God. But praise be to God, he made me willing. And if you're here saved, you know that's what he did for you too. He made you willing. And do you not love him now? Oh, what a great God we have. What a great Savior. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is only in Christ and Him alone. And this amazing, wondrous salvation is wrought out by God the Son Himself for the sinner. And only He can, by the shedding of His precious blood, make the sinner holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Those who are full of guilt, deserving of hell, full of sin, all are made spotless, blameless, clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. It's wondrous. (laughs) It really is wondrous. It's incredible. He has so reconciled us to God that we are and will be presented before God in that day free from all sin. There will be a day when we'll be free from all sin. Perfect in holiness without one charge against us. Remember? Remember what we looked at? Alienated? Enemies in our minds? By wicked works? And in the scripture says, holy. Holy. Unblameable. And unreprovable in his sight. This is a work of God, beloved. This is a work of God. As a result of this wonderful salvation we have in Christ, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? No one. Let people say what they want. It's God that justifies. My salvation is not dependent upon anything I've done except my sin. I was a sinner. But that didn't save me. That makes me I'm lost because of my sin. The only thing I contributed was my sin. Oh, Scott Richardson said that. It's so true. Just our sin. Christ has to have all, all salvations in him. It's absolutely nothing we do. Nothing. We saw in our text we were 
We were alienated. We were enemies. And I know from, from, my, from where I was that I had no desire to follow Christ. But praise God, I obtained mercy. Is it so with you? We can cry out, we who believe, I obtained mercy. Mercy. Our Lord Jesus Christ was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, so that He could present us unto Himself, holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. His perfect righteousness is imputed to His people. And we are holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. The blood of our dying substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ, has washed us clean. Is this not mercy? Would you die for your enemies? In our minds we were enemies. We were His children from eternity, but in our minds we were enemies with Him. Oh, our Lord Jesus Christ, our dying substitute has washed us clean. This is mercy. This is grace. It all comes from God in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's found nowhere else. Nowhere else. People who are following Muhammad or Buddha or Mary, they're going to perish in their sins if God doesn't save them. There's only salvation in Christ and Him alone. Only salvation in what He's done. There's no co-redeemer. It's only Christ. It's all Him or it's nothing. Isaiah says this. Isaiah 45.25 And the Lord shall all the seed of Israel, being spiritual Israel, be justified and shall glory. We are justified by Christ, and we glory in Him. We glory in Him and what He's done. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 5. The believer has peace with God, and he's justified by faith. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And then I'll have you turn to... uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have. The believer has peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Only in Him. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. God's people rejoice in the hope of the glory of God in Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ by His death has reconciled the elect to God with His own precious blood. It is finished. It's done. It's done. The work is done. And salvation is revealed to whomever it pleases the Lord to reveal Himself to. And it will only be in and through the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who has reconciled his elect 
to God. And let us think on this. I'll read a text in Jude. If you could turn to um, to 1 Thessalonians 5. And I'll read a text in Jude. It says this. Now unto him, and may this be comfort for the believer's soul. Now unto him, Christ, that is able to keep you from falling. Left to ourselves, we're in a heap of trouble. But he's able. Able to keep you from falling. And remember... Our text talks about presenting us uh, unreprovable in his sight, right? Jude says this. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. He gets all the glory. And he's the only one who can present us faultless before his presence. And the scripture says, with exceeding joy. Jude 1, 24 and 25. Now, beloved of God, we're closed with this. When doubts and fears creep into our hearts, and they do. And they do. Oh, Lord, help my unbelief. When doubts and fears creep into our hearts because of the weakness of our flesh, let's give much precious thought to these words here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at this, verses 23 and 24. 23 first, though. Look at this. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in the next verse, Paul is moved by God the Holy Spirit to write these words which bring great comfort to the believer. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. There is a place for us to rest. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Those he saves, he keeps beloved. He keeps them. Amen.